0: Thank you, Tom. Well, good morning. It's great to be together today. Uh, If you are new here with us, uh, let me just give you a special welcome. And uh, yes, there are plenty of seats right down here where I was sitting. You can have my seat. I'll move my Bible right there. Uh, If you're if you're still if there's seats in the middle of you, uh, if you don't mind scooting in, just we do have people that are standing back there, and it would be great if they could, the aisle seats could be opened up if at all possible. That would be marvelous. So, I see a bunch that are right here, and again, they're right here, Right, right? You're you're brave enough to sit there. So, well, if you are new here with us this morning, we have been taking the Advent season to explore more deeply the story behind the Christmas story. We've actually described the story behind the Christmas story, this backstory, if you will, as a conspiracy. I have a hunch you might be thinking, isn't it a little bit of a stretch to call it a conspiracy? Are are we saying that God is a conspirator? Well, actually, yes, we are. But let me explain um, before we go any further. By conspiracy... Uh, we mean that there's a plan that's being intentionally carried out in the background with details that were not or are not necessarily known or seen. So what is this bigger story? What is this bigger story of Christmas? I mean, we put up our nativity set, or if you're like our house, nativity sets. (laughs) But have we spent much time... Digging below the surface to understand more of the details of what God is doing, why he is doing it, or how it is being accomplished. I think if we honestly answer this question, kind of come to this reality that probably the answer is no, that most of us are satisfied with just settling with the simple surface answer of Jesus is the reason for the season. But isn't there so much more to the Christmas story? Now, we have a huge advantage today as we read about the birth of Jesus because the conspirator actually wrote it all down for us and gave us the backstory. But unfortunately, so oftentimes, we are just lazy and do not take the time to dig below the surface. And in so doing, we miss the layers of beauty beneath the baby in the manger. I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity this year or in past years to see the Messiah, but Sharon and I had the joy of attending it just a few weeks ago at the Kaufman Center. And once again, we were blown away by the beautiful work of George Frederick Handel. In each scene, the Kansas City Symphony beautifully unveiled another layer of the backstory of Christmas. One of the things I love about it, just to make sure that we don't miss it or you don't miss the story, that as you walk in, they hand you the lyrics to follow along, which are taken straight from the pages of Scripture. Now, as much as I love the Messiah and all the beautiful layers to the story of Christmas that it displays, it tells the story through a narrow perspective of the prophecies. Of Isaiah. And there is so much more to the story. It's a story that begins with God's beautiful and perfect creation. But as we know and feel so deeply this morning, in the wake of Friday's horrible tragedy, the world we live in is anything but perfect and beautiful. God's perfect design was vandalized by man's sinfulness and disobedience. And as a result, this is not the way it's supposed to be. The story of Christmas is the story of a loving God who is at work rescuing and redeeming this broken world in which we live. This morning, we are going to see this conspiracy of love unfold through the music and lyrics of singer-songwriter Andrew Peterson and a compilation of songs that he's entitled Behold the Lamb of God. And just to make sure we don't miss anything to this story, the lyrics to, that he has written will be displayed on the screen for us to follow along. So as we listen, as we hear, may our hearts be filled with hope as we go below the surface story that we so often settle for in this season of Christmas. A rescuer is at work. I don't know how we can not clap after that, so thank you, Angela and Van, for helping us enter into the story in that way. Uh, That's probably my favorite song on the album, and... Uh, it's probably the most difficult to play too. So, well done, absolutely beautiful. The people, I hope you feel this. The people long for rescue, and the lyrics of this song so beautifully portray the long line of solutions in which they place their hope. Although Moses freed them from slavery and bondage, they found themselves in this self-made prison of disobedience, and once again long for rescue. They cried out to God for a king. And if you were with us this past summer during our series on the kings, you might remember that that didn't turn out so well. They had this right idea for longing for a king, but as Andrew Peterson's lyrics so beautifully pictured, it was the wrong kind of king that they were looking for. And this long line of kings got progressively worse, and eventually God's people were once again taken into captivity. And once again, they cried out for deliverance. This is the point where the Messiah picks up with their longing addressed by these powerful words spoken to them by God through the prophet Isaiah Comfort ye my people. Now, for those of you that are Messiah fans in here, I've just lost you because you're now singing that song in your head. So hang with me. I just want us to feel the weight of these words. God's people are experiencing the pain and brokenness in in this world in very real and agonizing ways. And God speaks to them through the prophet Isaiah and says to them, it's going to be okay. Now those words alone would be hollow to them just as they are hollow to us today. What is the basis for this comfort? Where are we to find our hope? Isaiah tells them that there is another leader coming, an heir from the line of David, with these familiar words, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Don't you know that people jumped for joy as they heard this news delivered? But unfortunately, it took a while for this promise to be fulfilled. And by a while, I mean over 500 years. Sometimes we miss this fact, don't we? We We hear the prophecy of Isaiah and so quickly follow it with the story of the birth of Christ that we forget about the time between. And not only is there time between, but the prophet stops speaking. And God does not speak to his people for 400 years. 400 years of silence. Now, during this time, don't you know their longing for rescue grew, as did their skepticism about this whole idea of a Messiah? And as the brokenness of the world seemed to intensify and the silence of God became deafening, they must have hung on to their faith by a thread, longing to be rescued." O come, O come, Emmanuel. God with us. Have you ever stopped to think about the possibility that we were designed with the need for God's physical presence? I mean just think about our story. It begins in a garden in Genesis. In the presence of God and finishes with an eternity pictured in Revelation, where the dwelling place of God will be with man. We were made to experience God's presence. Yet in this broken world, we don't experience it as it was meant to be. And as a result, so often we feel alone. And we cry out with this common refrain Oh, come, oh, come. Emmanuel, or maybe as I saw it posted on Facebook often the last couple of days, come Lord Jesus. In this Christmas season, there lays a a painful irony that this is a time when we celebrate the the presence of the rescuer who came to us, and yet it is the holidays that often accentuate our aloneness. We retell the story of Jesus' physical presence, the story of God coming near. And we know that we can't touch him and feel him in the same way that those who walked with him did. And we feel alone. And we believe he's coming back, but that doesn't help right now. He's not here anymore. We often find ourselves echoing the cries of the Israelites as we long for his return. But here's an important truth for us to grasp this morning. We may feel alone, but actually our waiting is different. Christmas means that we are never alone. Let me explain. Jesus spoke to his disciples before his departure and wanted to make sure that they and us would know that he would not leave them or us as orphans. And he spoke these words in John 14. He said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you a helper to be with you forever. Now, I know you've heard this before. But I want you to think anew with me this morning about this amazing reality. If you are a follower of Christ, you have not been left alone. God has sent the Holy Spirit to be with us while we wait and yearn for all things to be made new. And as if that isn't amazing enough, this is not just God with us, this is God in us. And let's be very clear here. The Holy Spirit is more than a power. He is a person. He's more than a force. He is a friend who is there with us to help us along the way. As we are lonely and longing for life as it was meant to be, he hears our cries and our aching from Friday. In Romans 8, Paul writes to remind us of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And he writes, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And have you felt like this the last 48 hours? For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he, searches, he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Yes, we ache because we can't touch him and feel him. And our faith is stretched as we want to more fully experience the physical presence for which we were designed. But let's not believe the lie that we've been left alone. So as we continue the story this morning, I want you to see the arrival of Jesus, not just against the backdrop of what it must have meant to Mary and Joseph, or the shepherds, or the people who would interact with Jesus in the days to follow. Let's remember that the conspiracy of Christmas means that we are never alone. Thank you, Claudia. I don't know about you, but that takes me right there. I feel like I'm there that night. And I recognize this might be my demented mind, and I hate to pull you into my twisted imaginations, but here it goes anyway. Have you ever wondered if Mary and Joseph considered the possibility that they might be crazy? I mean, the whole virgin birth thing? Really? I mean, you, had to th- you have to think, did they ever ponder, was it really an angel or was that just a really bad dream? And did Joseph go along with this plan just to save face? I mean, hang in there with me on this one. Can you imagine being told that you would deliver the Savior of the world, the ruler from the line of David of which they had been promised? And when it comes time to deliver the baby, you can't even find a room. And then as if if that's not enough, this, quote, Savior of the world is now laying in a feed trough and you sit there as parents and i think this would have been the moment for me that i would have gone over the edge that yes we're crazy is it possible i thought about this this week and it's crazy to if you just stop and think about it, is it possible that as they were holding god they felt far from him and alone Now, forgive me, Lord, if I mischaracterize their faith. And in some way, I maybe have projected on them my own lack of faith. But sometimes I just don't know what to do with the fact that I ache and I groan at the brokenness of this world. And occasionally I wonder if I'm crazy. And maybe pastors aren't supposed to say that, but is God real? Does he really hear me? And the only thing I can do is the very same thing I think they could do at that night. It's all they had left was to hope. I love the way Paul wrote about this hope that we can cling to. As he said, through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope. Of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And as Mary and Joseph sat there alone in those moments following the birth of their son, the Messiah, all they could do was hope. But as we know in the story, they wouldn't have to wait for hope with, in hope for long. The silence would be broken for Luke tells us that they would have visitors who would speak of an angelic visit. I cried 14 times this morning, in case any of you are counting. Uh, music moves us, doesn't it? It's so powerful for me just to step back and soak in the beauty of this conspiracy of love. I hope you found it that to be true for you as well. Now I can't help but think that there are some of you here this morning who feel the rescuer tugging on your heart, and I want to give us just a few moments to silently pray. Maybe you feel alone and have recognized this morning anew that God is with you and you want to approach him with a grateful heart. Or maybe you're hurting and although you, you know he's with you, you still long for his physical presence and you find yourself this morning crying out, come Lord Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning trying to make sense of the brokenness of this world And although you thought you knew the Christmas story, you have been awakened to the love of the rescuer who has come to rescue you. So I want us just to take time to pray silently. And I encourage you to cry out to him, ask him to deliver you. May it be our prayer that he would pass over us and have mercy on us in the day of judgment. Let's pray together. The Lord, hear our cry. Amen. As we depart this morning, let's remember the good news of the Christmas story. We are never alone. Jesus came to be with us, and through his life, death, and resurrection, he now makes it possible for us to never again experience separation from God. After his resurrection, if you remember, his final words recorded before he ascended into heaven were this And lo, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Jesus came on that first Christmas morning. The Holy Spirit is with us now in God's full presence. A reality that we were all designed to experience is still to come. As our benediction this morning, I want to send us out with Romans 8, 28, 26 through 27, paraphrased, paraphrased by Eugene Peterson from the message. So if you would now, raise your hands in, as a sign of receiving this benediction as we go. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired and waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside us to help us. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in us and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant and waiting condition, and He keeps us present before God. Amen, and go in peace.